Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. How's everybody doing today? Man, man, wasn't worship awesome today? Man, there was something different today. I don't know what it was. Man, we were fighting battles today. Praise God. Uh, my name is Justin. I'm on team here. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Jamie. I look a little different. I think I'm a little pudgier around the midsection. But uh, man, I'm just so glad to be here. It's such a great day. I want to go ahead and just give some honor to our pastors, Pastor Jamie and Pastor Sandra. Let's just give a hand clap. Of praise. They're awesome. They're so amazing. They're visionary leadership. So thankful for you. Uh, Pastor Jamie sends his love and his greetings. He is on the slopes of Breckenridge, Colorado. Come on. I know. It's uh, so sad. You know, he's struggling for the Lord, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's having a great time. Uh, it's so awesome. Uh, he's there with his son, Jude. They're having a great time. And yes, team night is next Sunday night. Yeah, come on. I am so pumped. If you're on a team, like Christina said, if you're on a team, you gotta be there. And if you're not, you gotta be there. And here's why. We have some awesome big news we are gonna share at team night first. Don't worry, everyone will know, but we're going to share it with our teams first. So you don't want to miss it, 6.30 next Sunday night. And if listen, if you're not on a team, this is a great opportunity to get to learn what we're all about and learn that we actually have a whole lot of fun doing what we do for the Lord, all right? So uh, uh, we're in the midst of this series called Vol for Life, uh, just talking about what it means to be on God's team, what it means to be uh, on team for the Lord and the family of God. And I told Pastor Jamie, I was like, hey, it's called Vol for Life. Why do you want an Alabama fan to preach for Vol for Life? I know I probably lost like half of you just now, maybe more. But yeah, anyway, don't worry. It's, uh, you know, it's, listen, I know, I know everybody's kind of bummed after yesterday uh, with what happened with the basketball team. I know, I, like Alabama, we lost two in the first round. It was sad, very sad. I think I'd rather lose to Michigan than Notre Dame. That's how I feel. I don't know if any of you sports fans feel the same way. Um, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump on in into the text today. Uh, we're we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you have physical Bibles, I'm going to give you a minute to turn. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you some context. This story is an amazing, powerful story about uh, the king, King Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah at this time. And uh, he's kind of brought this reform period around. He's brought the, the worship of God really back to the forefront, uh, him and his father Asa. They brought the worship of God back uh, into the forefront in the country. And then also uh, he, he kind of did some judicial reform to bring the Levites back into the kind of their role where they need to be kind of uh, providing uh, like law covering over, uh, over the country. And what's happened is Judah's gotten more powerful. They're having prosperity because they're following the Lord. And uh, all the countries around them are getting ticked. They're like, hold up. We don't like it when Judah's doing well. And so there comes this moment where these countries around Judah kind of form this alliance, uh, really coming out of the, the section called Edom from the east. Uh, the Ammonites and the Moabites kind of come together and like, hey, we got to take Judah out. So they create this great host. It's this huge army. And, and Jehoshaphat and the, the, the kingdom of Judah, they have no real defense against this. Their army cannot uh, defend this huge uh, of a force. And Jehoshaphat, in front of all of the assembled uh, people and leaders of Judah, he just kind of throws his hands up in the air. He's like, I, I don't know what to do. We need to ask God 
what to do because we can't, we can't win this in our own strength. So he goes to God, he humbles himself before everyone. The God, what do we do? And God kind of answers through this uh, Levite. It's like this prophetic moment uh, where this Levite kind of stands up and is like, hey, uh, go take your battle positions, set, set up the battles, the Lord's, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to fight, but just go and set up and watch God do his thing. And it's this awesome story. So we're, we're going to read Jehoshaphat's uh, response out of Second uh, Chronicles 20, verse 20 through 22. I'm reading out of the NRSV today. Uh, they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy splendor as they went before the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Let's pray. God, we thank you for voice we thank you for praise. We thank you for worship, God, that we get to sing to you, Lord, that we get to give you praise. And God, we thank you that you honor that by fighting our battles. God, we thank you for the victory that we have in you, only in you. And God, I pray right now that a spirit of victory would descend upon every heart in this room with an earshot of my voice online, Lord, that, that there would be a spirit of victory, that we would remember who we are and whose we are. God, we thank you for it. Give us boldness, courage, and victory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I was born and raised in Columbus, Georgia. Not Ohio, Georgia. Uh, I, I, it's, it's this kind of, it's this interesting spot where it's directly right on the state line with Alabama. So it's kind of this like melting pot of we're talking about sports, so sports culture. So there's two assumptions that you can make about anyone that's from Columbus. One, they're going to be an Atlanta Braves fan. Just have to. Let's go Braves. Won the World Series. Let's go. Uh, and then the second one is uh, you're, you're going to take part in this weird three-way hate fest between Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn. You, those are your options. You don't get any other options. And all other sports are dead. They don't exist. The NFL, what's that? It's just college football and Braves baseball, baby. But uh, I think some of you guys can relate being here in Knoxville. It's like Vols are nothing. You know what I mean? Like that's all there is, right? So uh, because of this kind of weird nebulous uh, sports culture I grew up in, I didn't really have a solid team until it was later in high school. I, I was really wanting to connect with my father. My father, he grew up an Alabama fan, was loving Alabama during all the Bear Bryant years. I know some of y'all are like, why is he talking about Alabama so much? I promise I'll stop soon, okay? But I promise it's gonna stop soon. But uh, I really wanted to connect with my father, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. I wanted, I wanted to connect with him. So it was around that time later in high school that I really kind of took that on. And me and dad, we were start talking about the team. It was really... It was really something special. And uh, there was one year back in 2015, we actually were at, we've been to a couple of games in Tuscaloosa. And I think I, we've got a picture up here. I'm going to show you a picture. This is us. Uh, I took this picture. We were at the game. This is 2015. Can you guys see the color that's in there? You guys see them, right? There's a few balls for life in there. Yeah, this is actually probably the best football game I've ever been to. It was a close game. Uh, Alabama won by two points. 
Uh, it was like, we really thought Tennessee was gonna win there for a while. Uh, it, was, it was really something special to be there for. But uh, you can see those Vols fans, they're right there surrounded in the midst of their enemies. And they got the band there. They're gonna sing Rocky Top. They don't care how many times they hear Yay Alabama or whatever, Rammer Jammer, it doesn't matter. They're gonna sing Rocky Top. And I just, I just thought that picture was so, so cool to kind of symbolize what it means to be kind of surrounded by your enemies yet still rooting for your team. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, so, and one of my favorite things about college football in particular is the songs. Come on, I've already mentioned Rocky Top. Every single team in college football has a song. You got a fight song. That's what they call it. And when this fight song comes in, all the true fans in the house, they start singing along. They start chanting. And everybody gets pumped. The players on the field, they're like, yeah. And then they go, beat the snot out of somebody. Right? That's a fight song. There's power in it. It's awesome. You see, as believers, we have fight songs. We have fight songs. And they are so much more powerful than a song we sing at a college football game. I can promise you that. We've got songs. We sang one of them today. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. I don't even have to preach today. That whole song is the whole meaning today. Uh, we got songs like All Hail King Jesus. And we just give praise and glory to God. We got songs like Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. Come on, somebody. And some of y'all, some of y'all, we don't really sing a lot of two older songs, but I know victory in Jesus, my savior forever. All right. He sought me and he, all right, we do. All right. I even know, I even know this song. Listen, a mighty fortress is our God, right? Some of y'all are coming from like Presbyterian background. You're like, he knows that song. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How? Listen. Like these, it doesn't matter what the style of the song. These are our fight songs, y'all. These are our fight songs. Yeah, these are, these are rallying cries. They build up our faith, but there's so much more than that. And I'm going to tell you exactly what they are. We're going to put up a verse, Psalm 22, three out of the King James version. Uh, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. And we're going to throw up the NRSV right here. Yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. When we sing, God is in our praise. He inhabits it. And also, I I put these two translations up there on purpose. He is in, he inhabits our praise, but he is also enthroned on our praise. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what struggles in life, when we praise God, when we worship him, we are literally making God sovereign over our situation. We are making God sovereign over the prayers we have. We are making God sovereign. He is king. He is Lord. He is ruler. He is enthroned upon our praises. There is power in that. You see, when we do that, God fights our battles for us and gives us the victory. And so that's why worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. King Jehoshaphat, he fought this great host that had come against him through praise and worship. (laughs) He sent singers out to sing and sing thanks to God. And God wins the battle, but gives the victory to Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. There's this other amazing story uh, out of the New Testament. Paul and Silas, this is in Acts. Paul and Silas, uh, they're, they're kind of running through this town in Philippi, called Philippi. 
Uh, and they have this encounter with this girl. She's got this spirit of divination. Like she can do fortune telling. She can tell the future or whatever. And so, uh, she, but she's a slave. She works for a master, masters. And uh, they, she keeps like harassing Paul and Silas. And Paul, is, at some point, he just kind of reaches a breaking point. He's like, out, get out. And the spirit leaves her and she doesn't have her powers anymore. And her masters get real mad because they can't make any more money. And so they get real mad. They take Paul and Silas. They uh, take them before the assembly of the people. And they're like, oh, they're mad. They're just causing a disturbance in the city. And they just throw them in, in jail. Um, and so Paul and Silas, they're in jail. Uh, and I, I just kind of want to read. Uh, they actually beat the snot out of them, strip them of their clothes, and then throw them in jail. So we're going to read uh, Acts 16, 23 to 26 out of the NRSV. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. In this instant, their worship broke chains, opened doors, and shook the earth. God inhabited their praise. He was enthroned on their worship, and God responded by fighting the battle for them. Some of you, you have chains over your life. Chains of addiction, chains of anxiety, chains of depression, chains of worry, chains of anger. Maybe you have chains of unforgiveness, like you can't forgive yourself for what you've gone through. Some of you feel like you're in a prison every single day. You feel like you're just locked up and you can't go anywhere. And if, if you, like one more day, if something doesn't change, one more day, you're not gonna make it. I'm here to tell you, praise God. Worship him and watch the chains fall. Watch the doors fling open. Come on, when you're face to face with the glory of the most high God in worship, when you're, when you're standing, kneeling, laying down, whatever, before the immeasurable love of Jesus Christ who died for you, chains, they evaporate. None of it even matters anymore. Doors are flung open because there's power in his presence. One morning about two months ago, I was, uh, was kind of going through this like mental kind of panicky moment. I, you know, we, we've just recently purchased a home, which everyone's like, oh, that's awesome. It's also incredibly stressful. Those of you who've done it, it's, it's crazy stressful. So we were going through that. Uh, I had, a, there's a bunch of stuff I want, like vision and dreams I have for the church. So I was kind of feeling all that. And then uh, on top of that, I have uh, uh, our, our little daughter. We're trying to be good parents. And uh, her name's Winnie. She's awesome. She's so amazing. But we're trying to be, we're trying to be good parents and figure all that out. It's, it's crazy being a parent, uh, trying to learn all that. There's no manual for any of this. Uh, and, and, and then on top of that, I'm also trying to be a good husband to my wife because she deserves so much more than I can ever give. So this, all this kind of like life stuff started spinning around in my head and these kind of chains of anxiety began to form around my head. I'm like, how am I ever going to do this? Oh my gosh, I can't do it. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Ah! But there's something I like to do. 
I like to, uh, uh, a lot of times, I'll just kind of have my phone sitting on my desk and I'll play uh, some live worship music. I like, to, I like to listen to church music, like an actual church service and they're playing worship. So I have, I have this church service just kind of rolling while I'm like kind of in this, I think I was doing something else, but I was still mindful of the Lord. And th- this worship time, they broke out in this spontaneous song where they were just singing, holy, 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 over and over and over again. And it, it like, it, as I was just kind of like, it's like that triggered me. And I was like, and I joined in. I was like, holy, 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 holy. None of that matters. Everything's going to be all right. My God, who's brought me to where I'm at now, has shown me provision time and time again, who's given me breath in my lungs, who's given me this amazing country to live in, has given me everything I have. Oh my gosh, holy, holy. And as soon as I began to respond in praise and worship to God, those chains that were starting to form around my head just evaporated. They evaporated. And it it was, it was this uh, awesome moment. You see, uh, when we make God greater, our problems get smaller. So I've got a few thoughts on worship as warfare. The first one is worship must be true. Worship must be true. Uh, Jesus in John four, he's, he's having this amazing encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. We're going to read a little bit that he says to her, this is verse 23 and 24 in John four, the NRSV, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You see, God doesn't just want our external praise. He doesn't just want our our words. He wants our essence. He wants who we are, our soul, our spirit. That's our mind, our soul, our heart, everything within us, this inner thing. No, there's no, there's no human being that can ever truly know who we are on the inside. God can. And that's what he desires. He desires us to worship him with our whole heart. And what that means is we can't be divided within ourselves. And uh, what that means is you can't, we can't have any reservations and we can't have doubts. And that's really hard for me. Uh, there have been really years through my, of my life where I've struggled with these little, these little I, I like to think of them as like little snakes. They go, they're like, ha, is this real? Ha, is this fake? Are you sure? Huh? And you start, you, these, little, these little vipers start popping up in my head of these little, these little kernels of doubt in my head. Uh, but God has equipped us and has told us exactly what to do in those instances. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when those thoughts pop up in your brain, you identify them like, hold up. What is that? That's not, that's not God. What is that? The moment you become aware of it as something else, as, as, it, you take it as a POW. It's a prisoner then at that point. And we, what happens a POW is stripped of their weapon, the stripped of their ability to wage war. They have no more power. They're just stuck in prison. 
When you do that to those thoughts, when you take those thoughts captive, you're literally turning them into POWs. You are stripping the weapons of the enemy away. It has no power over your life. And it is literally, according to scripture, forced to obey Christ. (laughs) So in these moments when doubt pops up, my first response is to recognize them, tell myself, nope, those are wrong. And then remind myself of this litany of the countless times God has shown his very real power and very real presence in my life. That's an experience. But for us to worship in truth, we also have to check our reasons. Uh, In the story I was mentioning earlier when when I was responding, holy, 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 I wasn't doing that to get stuff from God. I wasn't doing that because God is a cosmic genie and I'm like, oh, maybe if I just make him happy, he'll give me stuff. No, it's, it's because he's worthy and I just want to give him love and praise and worship. He's done, he is immeasurable. There's a, a, a pastor that I know, he has this quote, he says it all the time. He says it all the time. If God never does another thing for me, he's done more than enough to deserve my praise for the rest of my life and for all eternity. You see, that's where Paul and Silas were. When they were in the prison, they they had seen so much in their life. They had seen so much in ministry. They had seen God do so much. When they were were thrown in prison after being being beaten half to death, they praised. They sang to God. It says it sang at midnight. Come on, you get beaten half to death, you're probably going to fall asleep. At midnight, they were praising him. For them, it brought them closer to him. Can you imagine? Just just imagine this. You were beaten half to death, stripped naked, and put in this disgusting cell as far from freedom as you could get. But you respond to that by singing songs of praise. They were worshiping in spirit and truth. So when we're in times of worship or in your times in personal worship at home, ask yourself, am I worshiping in truth right now? Am I worshiping God with every single part of inside of me? Am I unified within myself? Am I holding things back from God? Am I singing with my whole heart, my soul, and my mind? My next point is uh, sharpen your weapons. Sharpen your weapons. Anyone who's served in the military knows you got to care for your weapons or you're going to be bad at being a warrior. It's just true. So, uh, like, we got swords back in the day. They would sharpen them. Had like a little millstone. They're like doing a little pedal thing. I don't know how they do it. They just kind of like sharpen the sword, right? To make it a, a, a really sharp edge. But then they would also add some metal back into chipped swords to kind of forge it back to where it could be used. And then sometimes the swords get bent or they get misshapen and they have to beat it back into a shape. The same thing with, with guns. If you're, if you're in the military, you have to like, like disassemble your weapon. You have to clean it. You have to put these oils in it. You have to take care of it. Or uh, when the battle comes, in the heat of battle, your weapon is going to fail. Imagine a rusty sword. You got a rusty sword. You're like, ha, boom, thing's going to break. And then you're hosed. The same thing with a gun. If you're, if you're like, all right, time to beat the enemy, and it doesn't work, it jams. That, let me say this. If you do not care for your weapons, then they can fail you in battle. So what are our weapons? We got praise. We've got worship, thanksgiving, prayer, adoration of God, submission to God. These are weapons. Uh, Paul actually writes in Ephesians 6 about this uh, kind of this, this collection of weapons called the armor of God. 
Uh, I, I like to think of it more as the armament of God because these are more than just like defensive, like shell up weapons. They actually have power. There's, there's power in it. The belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, and then the greaves or shoes of the gospel and the shield of faith. These are not just weapons. They're not just armor. They protect us. And then they destroy the works of the enemy in our lives. So if you've got rusty armor or your sword is dull, then it's not gonna do anything. You have to care for your weapons. And that's because worship is not just a Sunday thing. Worship is a Monday to Saturday thing too. So let me bring it to sports real quick. Uh, Football season, game day, game day, right? Saturday, Saturday, right? But in between, if you're a real fan, you're going to ESPN.com, you're going to SI.com, you're listening to Will West on the radio in the morning, and you're going to check out what's going on with your Vols, right? Because that's what you do if you're a fan. It's the same thing with faith. It's the same thing with our worship. If If we want to wage good war, If we want to wage warfare with our praise, we have to sharpen it through the week. So I'm going to give you some ways to sharpen your weapons during the week. I'm going to to go pretty quick here. Uh, But uh, pray every day. Set aside time. Write down a prayer list. Physically, with a a pencil or a pen or whatever. Uh, Read your Bible every day, or at least regularly. Don't be religious with it, but read your Bible. Stay in the Word. Use a devotional. Right now, the devotional I'm using is uh, by a guy named Rick Renner. Called Sparkling Gems. It's really cool. Uh, I'd recommend it to anyone. Uh, listen to sermons throughout the week. Watch and listen to live worship. This is something I love to do. I think everyone should love to do that. Uh, if you f- find some churches or groups that you love and just enjoy it during the week, and let me encourage you: don't just don't just consume media. Participate. Sing with them. Actually, sing to God by yourself. Use your voice. Something happens when you use your voice. It literally physically changes your, your, the connections between the two hemispheres of your brain. It's, there's actual psychological things that happen when you sing. So when you're singing to God, it's, it's just this incredible thing. Uh, give thanks to God constantly, when, especially when bad stuff hits. Practice listening to the voice of God. Get in some quiet times and just say, all right, God, I'm going to try to listen to you. And then pray in the spirit. If you've got a prayer language or speaking in tongues, go for it. Do that every day. These things will enrich your worship times, both corporate and personal, and bring meaning and depth to your song and praise. So that when the battle is at your doorstep, you can boldly shout in the devil's face, I will give thanks because God's love endures forever. See, devil, here's the list of my testimony. All the times God has been faithful to me. I can and will depend only on my God because he is good and his will is perfect. Come on, spit that in the devil's face, somebody. Which brings me right to my next point. Wield your weapons fiercely. Wield your weapons fiercely. Paul writes in the same part, he's talking about the armor of God. Ephesians 6, uh, verse 12. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. (laughs) That doesn't sound very nice. Remember, this is warfare. Our worship 
is warfare. It is spiritual warfare. When in warfare, you get face to face with this enemy. He's trying to kill you. There's no more room for timidity. There's no more room for apprehension. There's no more room for reluctance or second guessing. All that goes right out the window when you're face to face with death. And let me tell you, there is a very real enemy who wants nothing more than our complete destruction. But really what it looks like for us most of the time is we get sidelined. We sideline ourselves. Uh, I, I, I played football for a few years, uh, mostly in middle school. I did play a little bit in high school. Uh, and I played, I played center and nose guard. I played both sides, uh, offense and defense. Uh, but there was one of the games in, in eighth grade. I, the coach tried to tell me, hey, there's a big old boy on the other team. I'm like, okay, all right, well, I'll try. Well, this should be good. I get up there, first play. This dude, eighth grade, y'all, 6'3", over 300 pounds. And I'm just like, I wasn't much smaller than I am now. It's probably about 25 pounds lighter and the exact same height in eighth grade. So I'm just like, and I go down, I go down to hike the football, instantaneous clobberage. She just, boom, bulldozes me. Puts me right in the ground, first down, second down, same thing. Third down, same thing. Quarterback gets stacked all three times. And I'm just like, what do I do? So I'm supposed to play both sides. I'm exhausted from just being destroyed over and over again. So I go up to the coach. I'm like, coach, I'm not playing defense. Not, I'm out. He's like, I'm like, nope, can't do it. It's too much. I sideline myself. How often do we do that in our own lives? Life gets hard. We fall into a depression or extreme anxiety and we sideline ourselves. Remember, I'm talking about spiritual warfare. If you, like mental health issues, that's a very real thing. Let's, let's get some therapy and stuff there. But uh, when we get into worship services, sometimes all we can see is that big old six foot three, 300 pounder right in front of us. And we're like, ain't nothing I can do about that. And we, we sideline ourselves instead of standing our ground and using the tools that God has given us, we'll just sit it out instead of doing that. And let me encourage you. You don't have to be fearful. <laughs> you don't have to be concerned with what anyone thinks. Judah, they were faced with certain annihilation when, when Jehoshaphat sent out singers instead of swords. Paul and Silas, they were facing death or at least torturous imprisonment as far from freedom as possible. And instead of slunking down in their chains, they sang. Don't be afraid to use your voice. God has given you a shout. Use it. There was this moment in Israel's history when they faced something far worse than a big guy in football pads. Uh, you see, God had commanded the Israelites to go into the promised land and conquer it. So Joshua, he was the leader. He's like, all right, let's go. And they get over there and they have this, the first big obstacle in the way is this town called Jericho. It's got big old walls. It's impenetrable. There's nothing they can do. They don't have siege engines. I don't even know if siege engines existed at this point in history. They have no way. They're like, uh, what are we supposed to do, Joshua? And uh, Joshua uh, hears from the Lord. There's a command given to him from God. And God, God says, all right, Joshua, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna march around, take the army, march around the city once a day for six days. And the, the priests are gonna blare some horns during that. It's gonna be cool. All right, Joshua's like, all right. And then the seventh day, you're gonna march around the city seven times. And then at the end of the seventh time, there's gonna be this big 
big horn blast from the priest, and then everybody in the army is just going to go, ah, and shout. And then the walls are going to fall down. Joshua was like, all right, I've seen a lot. Moses did a lot. Let's go. So they do it. And guess what? The walls fell down. They went in there and they took the enemy. They did what God said. Those walls fell down. Some of you, you've got a Jericho standing in front of you. You have absolutely no idea how to defeat it. This thing is standing between you and what God has promised for you. And and, uh, let me encourage you. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Lift up your shout. Victory is at hand. Thanks to God for his love endures forever. Listen, praise him before the breakthrough. Lift him up before the walls come down and then watch him work. Watch God do his thing and watch him give you the victory. Oh man. My last point is raise your banner. Raise your banner. You see, banners in the Bible are used to signify victory, but they're also used to symbolize identity and lineage. In fact, I've got a banner right here. You guys are going to love this. I'm an Alabama fan. I'm about to do this. You guys recognize this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's going to disown me. That's okay. Listen, this banner, you guys see the colors on it, right? Orange and white. And what's that letter on there? T, it's a big old T. Power T, yeah. So this banner, it's, it's victory. What happens at football games? UT scores a touchdown. And then these big old flags go flying across the end zone. These guys are like, I don't know how they do it. Those things are huge, right? They're just going across. It's like awesome. Everyone's like, yes, we did it. They symbolize victory. But the colors on here and the T represent so much more than the football team. They represent the school, the community, Knoxville, Tennessee, the state, all the people that are part of the community of University of Tennessee, uh, alumni, uh, students, teachers, faculty, uh, the whole organization. Uh, it's awesome. Listen, if you come to second service, you can have this. I'm not taking this home. <laughs> I'm just going to put it down right here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking that home. Uh, uh, but... In warfare, banners are used the exact same way. When the, when the flag's up for your army, there's hope for victory. There's hope for victory. Uh, and this, I want to talk a minute about lineage because that's important of what a banner is. It symbolizes lineage and who, identity. And, and when we get saved, we get a new lineage. We get a new identity. Uh, we're going to read what Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8. This is Romans chapter 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. You see, we've been adopted. And in ancient Rome, this was huge because what would happen, these great houses, if they couldn't produce a male heir that was worth anything, 
they would actually adopt one from another family. And when this adoptive son comes into the family, they, they literally take on the name of the adoptive family. They get all of the inheritance and they are able to continue the dynasty and lineage of that family legally. This was, this was, and it was not just a legal thing, all of society. Like when we go back and study the Roman emperors, we look at these dynasties and they're not really blood relatives. We call it a dynasty, but they were adopted. That's the power of adoption. And that is the cultural context with which Paul is writing. He's literally writing to the Romans in this book. As a result of our adoption into the family of God, we are heirs. We are joint or co-heirs with Christ. Those lineages in Matthew and Luke that we skip over all the time, they're not just Jesus' lineage. They're our lineage too. That's the identity we have. So when we raise our banner, the banner of victory, we're not just proclaiming God's victory. We're proclaiming the victory of the family of God. That's us. That's who we are. After, the, after this huge battle, I'm not going to go deep into this. After this huge battle in Exodus, Moses, uh, they, they erect this uh, altar to God. And he calls it uh, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. You see, when we, when we lift up God, when we lift up praise to God, we are actually lifting up that banner. We are lifting up our victory. When we proclaim his name, when we sing of his victory, of his goodness, when we sing of his holiness, we are lifting our banner of victory. So I, I'm, I'm bringing it to a close right now. So, so many of us today, we've come with this sense of defeat. Life has hit us. It's hard. We got this feeling of kind of purposelessness. We've got this Jericho in front of us. It could be a financial Jericho could be family, could be work, could be a mental Jericho. Maybe you feel like you're in a prison cell that you didn't deserve. Maybe you feel like you're in a prison cell you did deserve. Let me encourage you. You are a victor. You are a child of God. God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gives you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So when you're facing giants, remember, you're a giant killer. Hey, through your worship, you wage mighty warfare with the weapons that the enemy has no defense capability from. Oh man, when you worship, battles are fought. War is waged when you sing. Let me encourage you, when we're singing, when we're singing together, when you're singing at home, maybe you don't sing at home. Well, guess what? Here's your call to action, sing at home. Use your voice, use your voice, use your shout. God made you to do this. He built you, he crafted you to do it. Use your shout. There is power in your praise because God is in your praise. God is your banner of victory. You have mighty weapons, wield them fiercely. Come on. Whew. Maybe you're in here today and you just have no passion in worship. You've lost it. Maybe something happened. I don't know. Maybe you've never had it. And you're like, well, you've lost your zeal. You're like, I don't, I don't, what, what do I do? You, maybe you're feeling this tug. Maybe I, I, I want a new passion. Give me something new, Lord. I want to need a new, fresh passion. Perhaps you've heard about these weapons, about this victorious God, and you feel this urge to respond. 
you're like, there's something within you kind of rising. Let me encourage you today to make a fresh start with God. You can, no matter where you're at in your walk, you can make a fresh start. It's, it's the best, po- I believe this with all my heart, it's the best possible decision a human being can make to either rekindle or start a relationship with the Lord. It's the best decision you can make. Because he loves you. Jesus, he came down from heaven. He came down as a baby. He, he, he went through life. He did all these miracles. He was awesome. And he died on the cross. He took on your sin. He took on all of those things that you're feeling unforgiveness in. He took all of it on him. All of it on the cross. And then he died and rose again because he's the victor. (laughs) He's the victor. Remember, we're co-heirs, right? So we have victory. We have victory through that. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you, respond. Every, Every eye closed, every head bow right now. If that's you, you'll say, hey, Justin, I, I, think, I think it's time. I want to make a fresh start with the Lord. I want to just be bold right now. Just lift your hand up right now in this room. If that's you and you want to make a fresh start with God, lift your hand. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And if you're online and you feel that tug in your heart, just begin to type fresh start in the chat and we'll reach out to you. We have a book for you that we want to give to you. Yes, I receive, Lord. Yes, Lord, you are so good. Yes, God. Yes, God, let's pray. God, you've seen these hands, these fresh faiths that have been birthed today. God, we give thanks for that, Lord. I pray right now that you would enter into their heart. They've responded to your gospel. They've responded to you, that you would enter into their heart. Lord, and that you would would birth this passion, this faith, this desire for you that they've never had before. You would give them wisdom to reach out to the, the right resources, the right people, to tell someone about this new journey that they're on. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room right now that's going through a, a Jericho moment. God, anyone that's that's got this six foot three vineman in front of them, they have no idea what to do. They're powerless. God, I just pray, I pray that you would embolden them to give you praise, to give you praise and to trust you to fight our battles. Lord, we trust you right now together as a church. We come together, all of our hearts in unity, Lord. We come together and we say, we trust you, Lord, to fight our battle. The battle is the Lord's. Whatever we're going through, we gift it to you. Oh God, whatever we're praying through, Lord, we gift it to you and say, you do it. Like Jehoshaphat, our response is to turn to you, not to turn inward. We turn to you. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you adoration. We give you worship. You are mighty. You have all the majesty, all the glory, all the splendor. We love you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.